0: Don't know about any of you, but uh, I really like the Book of Hebrews. I think it's probably my favourite letter. And uh, why am I saying that? I suppose because it, it seems different to me. It's sort of, it's aimed at the uh, people of God and their long history with God, uh, and it's sort of exploring something perhaps a different thing to some of the other letters that are looking at people who have newly found a faith, newly found a church. Uh, and uh, are perhaps being steered in certain ways. This is kind of looking back and saying, uh, you know, where have you come from in your faith and what difference has it made now that Jesus has come uh, and died and risen again? Uh, When I look at tonight, I'm going to be looking at a bit of an idea of promise, really. And I wonder how are we with promises Do we hesitate to make promises for fear that we might not keep them? Uh, I think I do at times. I think, oh, I'd rather not promise that I'm going to do that because I'm really not sure that I'm going to be able to. Uh, Or perhaps we do make promises and then at times we don't uphold them. So that makes us feel even worse, doesn't it? Because you think, oh, I promised that to somebody and I forgot all about it or um, for whatever reason it's not happened do you know sometimes do we make promises to ourselves Uh, i think i do and then i perhaps feel a bit let down if i don't even keep a promise to myself so uh, i mean sometimes you think right i'm really going to make sure i carve out a bit of time to do this and i'm going to carve out just here and that's it and that's my focus And before you know it, you've lost that focus and you haven't carved that piece of time at all. And whether it's for your rest or whether it's for your worship or whether it's um, for your work, you haven't done the thing that you expected to do. And what about ourselves in relation to others? What if others don't keep their promises to us? How, How let down do we feel And do we ever have it in us to to go and remind somebody that they promised us something uh, that they've not managed to deliver on? It's a tough area, isn't it? But actually, God is a God who wants to promise the best to us and wants us to keep our promise in following him. we have the first slide then that just talks then about receiving god's blessing which is our theme for tonight and receiving god's blessing i think in three ways here because if you look at that passage three things that come out quite strongly are the theme of rest and god promises us that we will rest A promise of life. That's perhaps a little harder to find because it doesn't sort of state that quite specifically. But as I go into tonight, I want to say that it is a promise of life. Life as God designed it and intended it. And also the word today is mentioned quite a bit in that passage. It's a promise for today. You see, I think God reminds us of all his promises at different times. He also reminds us that we've got a part to play in seeing those promises fulfilled. If you look back through the Bible, then some of God's promises are reasonably immediate. Uh, he's promising his people victory over an enemy, and that comes to pass in a, in a fairly short time scale. But I think we soon come to see through Scripture that many of God's promises are long-term, They might even be a lifetime away. God keeps his promises. He's faithful. We sometimes don't keep ours, and therefore we perhaps uh, think of God's promises in pretty much the same way. That, well, maybe they'll be upheld. Maybe they won't. Let's have a look at some of these promises on. We're not quite filling the screen with our pictures today, but hopefully uh, you won't be able to read the uh, little caption there. But that is, um, in fact, I won't be able to read that little caption either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, it's it's Moses leading his people out into the wilderness, and. Uh, what he's got with him is a kind of GPS, whatever, in his hand. And he's saying, right, you know, straight on through the Red Sea, uh, right around Sinai, uh, and straight on for another 40 years. Um, but actually, that's just a little little uh, cartoon there. But really, the background to this passage is that God has done some pretty amazing things, God has taken a people that have been uh, captive in Egypt for for a long, long time. uh, And he said, right, now is the time that I'm going to release you from that captivity. uh, And I'm going to take you to a land that I've prepared for you. The Israelites had waited a very long time. Their prayers, their concerns, their wailing to God would have all been about, can't you rescue us from this situation, Lord? Lord, will your people rescue us from this situation? And then suddenly the time comes and Moses is raised up uh, and Moses is going to take this people out of Egypt. And we see how great God is because he can inflict all these woes on Egypt. We see how great he is because he can part the seas so that the people can go through safely. And once they're freed from Egypt, we can see how great God is because daily he can provide for them the things that they need. And his promise is always there, that there is a land for you uh, and you will go to that land. In many ways, the promised land is an idea of of resting in God. Uh, And I think in... Promising rest to his people, God is both showing us the promise of an eternal future with him, but also the regular need for rest that we have. And so he established the Sabbath for the Israelites, but basically we need a weekly rest from work, whatever that work may be. And if we sit and think about it, then rest and work really make up our lives. So a promise around rest is really about a promise for life God gives us life that's to be lived for him and the writer of the Hebrews uh, then it may not use life very much in this passage but he does use the term perish to be the end of life that was led in disobedience to God I don't think he's used that word to terrify us but I think he does it to highlight the seriousness of aligning our lives to the God who has given us life And the passage also sets out the immediacy for God's blessing, urging us to hear his voice today. So Pharaoh had no choice but to let those people go because of all those plagues. And then the Israelites thought they were on their way. They thought God had rescued them. But actually, Pharaoh went and changed his mind, and he pursued them. But God didn't stop being with them at that point. The parting of the sea was so that the Israelites could escape, but also so that the enemy in pursuit could be washed away. But if you just imagine that wonder of going through that release. See, some of that time was terrifying. Some of those plagues, they're they're not exactly plagues that uh, would have had no effect on the Israelites whatsoever. They'd have been wrapped up in that as well, but they would have seen that God was at work. They would have had to trust him uh, and guess their journey with him was going to provide them something different from what they'd known, slavery for all those years. So they find that they get into the desert. They find that everything that they've feared and and lived in fear of for all those years is behind them. They have a new future. But what does that new future look like? Well, let's be honest, that new future looks like desert. And so what's their reaction to having freedom? Is it that internal, eternal gratitude to God? Is it that sort of conviction that whatever's coming next it is so much better for us? No, their reaction is, we're in a desert. So they're grumbling. And they grumble against Moses saying, well, we're here in a desert. What are we going to drink? And so Moses consults with the Lord. Uh, and then They are led to springs of water and a camp near water. So you think, great, God has provided again. Everything is going to be fine with this people. They're going to get on and do just what God wants them to do. But actually, before long, what do we see again? That the Israelites are grumbling. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. That's their cry. You have brought us into this desert to starve, this entire assembly to death. And so God again has to make a promise to them, a promise that they will receive the food that they need. Again, they're complaining about no water to drink. And so Moses uh, consults with God who says, strike the rock to provide water. And the complaining goes on for so long that we hit the point where God says things are going to be different. Yes, I have rescued you. Yes, I do have a promised land for you, but actually you're not going to see it. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter one. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large. The walls are up to the sky. We even saw the the Anakites there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God, who went on ahead of you on your journey. In fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way to go. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, No one from this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land to set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And of course, there are other exceptions as well, like Joshua that I mentioned later. But you can see there a God that has promised them, has delivered them in miraculous ways, is nonetheless um, ignored when it suits the Israelites to complain rather than to follow him. I wonder about us. If we knew God's presence so clearly and so strongly, as the Israelites did in those days, could we have gone on living in awe and obedience and making sure that we entered the promised land? I think we'd like to think so, but actually I think we might also see ourselves heading towards the grumbling that the Israelites um, were noted for. So let's have a look at the rest that they didn't receive. What is rest all about? Well, is it for us to just take things easy? I think it's easy to think that if our efforts seem inadequate, um, then perhaps aren't we best just leaving it to God? He knows best. He can do far more than we can. Perhaps we'll just show up when we need to. Well, actually, our passage tonight shows the opposite of that. It shows that we do have a lot of hard work to do. Verse 2 says that rest is for those who have faith and are obedient. Having faith takes work. Being obedient takes work. As we can see that the Israelites didn't have that obedience, didn't put the work into trusting in God. Also that rest is the rest from the works that God has set us to do. Rest is important. We, we were meant to recover from the exertion that we do. If we think about the theme of running a race, you can't run a race without resting afterwards and before. Uh, I'm not really as well qualified to talk about that as Tracy Cook who ran uh, the marathon in Dublin last week. Uh, she told me she did it in five hours, which was absolutely amazing. So I said, well, did that mean that you took a long time to recover? And she said, no, I had an ice bath and I was fine after that. So I thought, well, wow, that's impressive. But nonetheless, rest was part of it, wasn't it? Rest is part of what we need to do. Say again? Not quite what happened. Not quite what happened, no. no. Your, your perspective might be slightly different, but hers was. I had the ice bath. It did wonders. Uh, But nonetheless, we need to rest from whatever exertion it is, whether that's physical, mental, whether whether it's task-orientated, whether it's it's the time we spend with people. Uh, We need to set ourselves some time to recover, and we also need to set ourselves some time to be close to God. But we need rest even from making every effort to work out our salvation if in working out our salvation we think we're doing it all then somehow we're going to lose sight of it we can't work out our salvation by our own working we can work it out by realising when we need to come closer to God and ask forgiveness we need to work it out by how we can be encouraged by the things that God has presented us and we can take joy from them and build up our lives but Every now and again, we just need to kind of rest back from the effort that we're putting in to see what God is wanting to say to us and see what God has for us. With each of these areas, there are obviously in this passage quite a few warnings. So we're going to have a look at some of those warnings as well. And the warning here is don't fall short, of the rest that has been promised you. Don't fall short of it. Falling short, again, it kind of refers to races. So the winner of the race is the winner and everybody celebrates the winner. And everybody who's not the winner falls short of it. It's not suggesting that we have a race to heaven and we're not going to win or in danger of not winning. Uh, But I think the idea of not falling short uh, of what God would have for us is—is is that accepting of what that God actually provides the difference. God actually is the one that um, makes us whole, makes us whole in Him, allows Him, allows us to draw close to Him. So, what of our own effort? Well, I think there are a few things here: refresh, rekindle, and work out. Refresh our relationship with God. You see, I think if we were the Israelites, we'd want to be influenced by the fact that we saw the river parted in in front of us, the sea parted in front of us, rather than focus more on the time wandering around in the desert. Rekindling, is it it rekindled to take, take on those tasks that have been set before us? It is very easy to be like the Israelites and grumble. I grumble quite a lot. I perhaps don't grumble to other people too much, but I probably grumble to myself in a corner somewhere. Uh, And maybe in my quiet time, rather than sort of being encouraged, I'm a bit more grumbly uh, about the things that I'm reading. and saying, don't we see how I can apply that, Lord. Um, But actually, seeing the sea parted, seeing the manna and quail on the ground surely those are the encouraging things that help us know that god is really at work Uh, and actually seeing what we do is is to the service of god then doesn't that rekindle our passion to serve god when we see that what we do is is given by him and that we take that that take that mantle on and then in working out your salvation it's about, isn't it, in working out our salvation, allowing God to speak to us through what his word says. God's spirit speaking into our lives for the given situation. So many words that we can read, and they just seem like words to us on a given day. But then you could read those words again, and suddenly God is speaking through them and saying, this applies to you. This is something that's for you and for now. And we need to be seeking out uh, those moments so that we don't fall short of all that God has for us and in terms of choosing life well what what do we mean by this well i think life is about having faith in the good news that we've received so that's the the flip side to verse two is saying well look you know you have received the good news of god uh, and so hold on to it with faith uh, and that is your life that is life for you be encouraged that we're serving the living God. It's not in our chapter tonight, but in the previous chapter, uh, it refers to God as the living God. I've got that open just at the moment, so let me just open that to you for chapter three uh, and verses 12 and 13, where it says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. A living God that, as long as it's today, wants to speak to us, wants to draw close to us. And again, there are some warnings. Don't let it pass you by. Don't let life pass you by. Of the Israelites, it was said, the message they heard was of no value to them. They didn't hold on to it. The warning is that so that none of us will perish by following their examples of disobedience. And then the word of God, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. Our thoughts, our attitudes are really, really complex things. So much of that in our life experience, so much of it in our ideas about what god is like so much of it in what we hear from others and take on board what we hear from others and reject our thoughts and our attitudes of hearts probably change all the time and yet the word of god it says sort of pierces through that so that actually we can see through god's spirit the truth of god's word We're not saying it's easy because this is quite a mighty tone with an awful lot in it. Uh, The idea that we would understand all of it uh, is not possible. But actually where it matters, where it matters in giving our thoughts and our attitudes to God is that point in which the word of God can just sort of come right in there uh, and hit the spot that we need. And we don't know what spot that is sometimes, but when it hits we sometimes are made very aware of it. And the other thing was about choosing today, because I think today shows that while many of the Israelites didn't enter that rest of Canaan, God had still prepared a place of rest for them, and he prepares a place of rest for us to be with him too, both in this life that we can rest in him uh, and in the next where we go to rest with him. We're choosing today because actually God sets the days for every day God makes new. And God wants us to take each day as a special day. It's good to have worship on a Sunday. It's good to set a day aside. But also God sets all the days when all the things will happen that are meant to happen in this world. Uh, And it's good to know that God will set days that are bringing us to him, that are taking his purposes forward and we need to look out for those but also choosing today reminds us again that God took rest and that's why he commands us to do the same let's not be without rest in our lives and the warning in the scripture there was today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts mentioned earlier of thoughts and attitudes can be that our thoughts and our attitudes help us harden our, our hearts as we don't want to hear so much for God and we'd rather hear other things he says today if you hear his voice, the psalmist says today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts a hard heart is something that God can't really work with Because God doesn't want to impose upon us the way that we live our lives. He gives us the freedom to live our lives as we choose. But he wants that response from us. He wants us to be open-hearted. He wants us to know that he cares about the inmost things within our lives. That's a real focus of this passage. That... If we're not hard-hearted, then today will be the day of blessing. So if we are going to receive God's blessing, then we're going to receive it both in our work and in our rest. As I say, God rested from his work. We're going to receive it in a life rooted in his word. The word of God is alive and active It's not ink on a page. It's a living word that helps us see that God is at work in this world today. And it is for today. It meets our needs for today, whatever they might be, however extreme or however mundane and ordinary. Nothing is hidden from God's sight, it says. God knows all about everything. Uh, We don't know what his answers are, but we need to be different from the israelites and that we need to trust him trust that he has a promise for the future that is the future that he intends for us if we follow so shall we just pray lord we thank you that you do have our future in your hands there are many of us here, Lord, tonight who, who probably have fewer years to look forward to than to look back on. And yet, Lord, if we're able to look back and see your hand on our lives, then, Lord, we should be so grateful for all that you've done for us. And if we look forward with hope, then we should be able to see, Lord, that, that you do not let us go. Lord, we need you to hold on to us. We need hope to be stronger. And we need our fears and our concerns to diminish. We need to see the power of your word in our lives. We need to see the power of your word in our church. And we need to see the power of your word making a difference in this world. A world that in itself can make us fearful. Can make us think that you are not there anymore, Lord. That you're not holding your hand over over this world and guiding it forward. Yet we know that you are and we trust that you are. And our hope and our strength comes from you. Lord, we don't want to be wandering around in the desert, but we want to be heading towards the things that you have promised to us. And Lord, we hold on to that promise knowing that you are faithful, even if we are quavering, even if we're not sure of the next step. We thank you that the path before stands out and you have marked it. So we thank you, Lord, and trust that we will follow your way for your holy name's sake.